Customer experience. It's what sets some of the best companies apart from the rest, yet it can often be hard to achieve. Tune in monthly as we uncover the secrets behind great customer experience. This is Experience Better, the CX Podcast. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Experience Better, the CX Podcast. I'm your host, Alfred Sawatsky, Director of Product Management at Kubra. Just a note about today's episode. At the time of recording, we are in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. Since we are all practicing responsible social distancing, we are recording from our respective homes rather than the studio, so the sound quality may not be as good as usual. Thank you for your understanding. On that note, let's get to the show. The coronavirus pandemic has taught organizations everywhere that being able to adapt to customers' unpredictable and evolving needs is absolutely essential. This truth holds across the utility industry as many customers have struggled to pay their bills due to the economic downturn. Prepay energy options could be the answer. That's why we're interviewing Jamie Wimberly, CEO at DEFG, a management consulting firm specializing in energy, about what prepay energy is and why it's a critical payment option in stable and uncertain times. Thanks for joining us today, Jamie. Hi, Alfred. Thanks for having me on the show. So I have lots of questions uh, to ask you around prepay today, but before we jump in, could you tell us a little bit about uh, DEFG and your background in the utility industry? Sure. Um, DFG is a research and advisory firm focused on customers in the utility sector. We've been around for easily 17 years and have over 50 utility clients serving 100 million plus customers in North America. My firm also runs a prepaid energy working group, bringing together every utility that has a prepaid program, as well as vendors like Kubra, which serve them. Well, I just need to say for our audience, I first got to know Jamie about a year and a half ago when Kubra joined the uh, Prepay Energy Working Group. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's great what you're doing there. And we'll probably touch on it later on the inter- interview, just how you're bringing together all the different stakeholders, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, consumer advocacy groups to vendors, right. to utility, to regulators, it's, it's all there. And uh yeah, I'm excited to hear a little bit later about how this could be um, part of a, a kind of a coordinated response to COVID and, and debt and stuff like that. But before we okay. get there, let's cover the basics first. Can you give a you know a description of what prepay energy is? Yeah, um, Alfred, at its most basic, prepay energy is exactly how it sounds. It's a voluntary payment option for customers to pay now for future consumption of energy. Uh, But as we will discuss, and as you know, Alfred, there's a lot of magic to prepay. Um, My firm got interested in prepay because we were searching for customer benefits coming off of investments in smart grid. Uh, Prepay caught our eye early on, really over 10 years ago, and we formed the Prepay Energy Working Group. Um, As you just noted, um, the Prepay Energy Working Group brings together pretty much every stakeholder that's involved in prepay in terms of either a program that exists today or is thinking about one uh, perhaps um, sometime over the next year or so. Um, 
but prepaid is currently at a tipping point in the utility sector. I mean, it's been, you know, a fairly long tail, meaning, you know, again, we've been at it for 10 years, but we expect prepaid energy will be an important tool for customers during this COVID-19 crisis to both stay current on utility bills, but probably as importantly to pay down any debt and small manageable increments. So um, again, it's a voluntary payment option, uh, but there's a lot more to that. I know your firm does does a lot of uh, consumer research and industry research. Uh, can you provide some insight into um, who primarily uses prepay programs and why? And maybe, I mean, I know these are really general questions, but so who who would use it, why, and maybe what are some of the benefits that those categories of people could uh, gain from a prepay program? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it, it's important over first to like take a step back and look at what the utility space has usually provided, which is a kind of a one-size-fits-all approach to customer in regard to payment options or, or programs or other things. Um, you know, so, but, you know, but that's not how the wor- world works, right? It's especially now. Um, and what prepay is, is an example of a segmented offering, meaning that it's not for everyone. Um, you know, there are, for example, we've, as you noted, we've done a lot of research and for example, senior citizens on fixed incomes probably are not going to be as interested in prepay because they have it handled. Um, however, um, those with limited income, they may choose prepay as an alternative to, you know, large cash security deposits to start an account or to better manage bills or finally, you know, to pay down debt in a way that they can manage. Uh, for millennials, um, we know that they like prepay uh, a lot, and they like it because prepay allows you to pay as you go, um, and it's a, and it's very much aligned to how millennials, young people, like to pay whenever and however. Um, so you know, moving away from a 30-day billing cycle to to something much more incremental, um, aligned with mobile payments. Um, finally, for wealthy customers, uh, you know, they like prepay as well. Uh, so it's not just a, you know, low income kind of offering, um, wealthy customers like it because it helps them manage rental properties or vacation homes or even their kids at college. Um, so each one of those segments, um, and there are others, for example, well, I guess another one would be, um, immigrants, um, especially if they came from. Uh, countries that didn't have a strong banking system, they're very used to prepay. And so you don't really have to explain how prepay works to, um, especially first and second generation immigrants, they get it um, and they like it. Um, So for each one of these segments, um, you know, there are different reasons, different benefits from their perspective. Um, To be effective, really, we need to kind of understand who who represents uh, that segment, um, you know, what that messaging uh, could be, should be, um, in order to be effective. But uh, if you get the right customer uh, on prepay um, and they're in one of these segments, uh, I can guarantee that there's going to be a lot of customer satisfaction. Um, in, in many cases, we're finding 10 points plus of, of uh, additional customer satisfaction uh, than you would find from your traditional offering. That's huge. That's a big Big increase. Um, so I'm curious. So you talked a bit about the um, end consumer categories or groups that could benefit from this. 
Do you see any trends in terms of utilities? I mean, utilities have typically been, at least electric utilities have been pretty conservative in adopting new technologies. Like, are there regions of the U.S., so we're going to focus on the U.S. in this conversation. Um, are there mm -hmm. regions that are more friendly towards it? Is there a class of utility that is more likely to have prepay? I mean, what kind of trends have you seen there? Yeah, I mean, prepays are being offered all over the country now, um, easily in well over 10 states. Um, the biggest program is uh, actually a Salt River Project. You know, almost 20% of their customers on our prepay offering. Um, for investor-owned utilities, the biggest program is Georgia Power with close to 100,000 customers on prepay. Um, you know, from when you look at it, the IOU space, um, you know, the, the right now, it, it's those states, it's almost a, a pre-qualification requirement that you have to have a smart grid in place. So, mm -hmm. you know, again, you have to look at and track, you know, prepay with smart grid, um, which, you know, increasingly um, most swaths of the country are, are have, you know, some level of, of smart grid. Um, secondly, you have to look at the regulatory. Um, so, you know, those those areas like the West and, and the South um, increasingly are have more options like prepay um, than maybe the Northeast, which is more traditional in terms of regulation and focus on consumer protection. Um, so message here is that it's at a kind of at a tipping point. Uh, it's, it's growing. Uh, it's in a lot of states already. We fully expect it's going to be even more states. Um, and, you know, but, you know, again, there are various reasons why there might be more, in, like, for example, the South than, than the Northeast. Interesting enough, though, um, you know, when you look at prepay as more from the perspective of rural co-ops or even small communities, it's all, it's everywhere. Um, mm -hmm. You know, prepay actually started as a grassroots innovation, meaning it started with rural co-ops and small communities. You know, there are hundreds, we can't even count all of them. There are hundreds of co-ops using prepay to both better serve their customers and to maintain financial stability for the, for their co-op. So, you know, even in those states that may not have moved in terms of their investor-owned utilities, um, you know, certainly there's a, a good chance that a co-op or even a small muni has already adopted in that state. Yeah, that's that's a helpful survey of you know, the state of where things are. So you had mentioned that it was pretty much a um, requirement that uh, a utility needs to have AMI, so automated uh, metering infrastructure. And uh, it kind of leads into my next question. It's like, I, I mean, I know I, that there, there's uh, advocacy groups in some cases who object to uh, prepay filings with the regulators and and I'm sure you've been involved with a lot of those so I'd like to talk a bit about kind of what the common objections are and how you would overcome those but when you're talking about AMI it seems to me like the unspoken thing with AMI is you obviously have a meter that can give you real time, near real time meter reads so you know how much product right. you're consuming but the other mm -hmm. one is the implied uh, threat of a disconnect. And I think I'm being a bit sensational by using the word threat of a disconnect, and maybe that's tied to the objections, but there is some component that you can quickly disconnect and reconnect 
a consumer, yeah. which is different than in, in the old scenario. So I wonder if you could talk to that as well as other objections you hear and how you, how you counter those. You could have prepay um, without AMI. I just wouldn't do it. I mean, it's, it just doesn't make a lot of sense economically. Um, secondly, you, you mentioned a remote disconnect. Um, yes, so AMI allows for uh, utilities to remotely disconnect a customer for non-payment or other reasons. Um, but, to, but to be very clear, uh, you know, even without remote disconnect or without AMI, if a customer does not pay, um, they must do something about that, whether that be a payment arrangement or whatever, or they will be disconnected. Um, so. Again, what we're looking at from remote disconnect is just a different way of disconnecting that would have been a part of a process anyways with your postpay customers. Um, so again, I don't want to, sometimes in these discussions, it's kind of an apples and oranges kind of discussion. Um, and for some reason, there are some advocates that believe that remote disconnect actually is something bad rather than how I view it is it's something good, meaning that uh, it speeds up that reconnection process uh, a lot faster, meaning that if you pay some amount of money, uh, you can get reconnected within 15 minutes. Um, secondly, um, you know, there aren't the fees associated with your traditional disconnect process. Meaning traditionally, you'd have to roll a, a truck to both disconnect that, that customer and reconnect them. And I can guarantee that was expensive and it, and it took a lot of time. So, you know, getting back to your original question though, there really are two types of objections. I mean, the first kind is this knee jerk reaction by some consumer advocates that prepay is some kind of predatory or second class offering, uh, targeting low income customers. Um, but at core, these objections are usually not based on any fact whatsoever, uh, but are more emotional and ideological. But the second set of objections, however, are from advocates who truly want to understand the ins and outs of prepay. Um, you know, again, prepay has a lot of moving pieces to it. Um, so they ask good probing questions, which have made, to be frank, prepay a better offering. Uh, for example, you know, we spent a good deal of time you know, with, with stakeholders figuring out how prepay needs to be integrated with energy assistance. And, you know, that was time well used. I mean, it's a better product now um, or better option. Um, secondly, you know, we've spent a ton of time uh, with environmental groups um, trying to un better understand um, a finding from prepay, which is that prepay has directly resulted in 5 to 15% uh, energy savings, uh, meaning a customer gets on a prepay offering and they uh, almost immediately start using less energy. Um, and so, you know, again, that's a very important finding. I know that you understand, you know, typically in the energy efficiency world, if you get like, you know, half that or a third of that, then that's pretty big. But we're talking about big dollops potential of, of energy savings. So, again, there's a lot of good work that we've done it's a broad um, array of different stakeholders, including, um, you know, consumer groups and environmental groups about, you know, better understanding what that is. Mm -hmm. I wanted to kind of catalog or inventory some of the other benefits of prepay. You know, the biggest benefit from a utility business case perspective is, is you know, 
Well, actually, there's three. I mean, one is that customer satisfaction boost that I talked about. So, you know, some customers or some utilities are looking at this as a, a straight customer uh, voluntary option to try to, to increase satisfaction. And, you know, again, we've proven that it increased customer satisfaction a lot. Um, some utilities, as you mentioned, are interested in the conservation piece. They've gone to their commissions, um, you know, with, you know, kind of a hit and miss kind of luck in terms of getting it through. Um, but, you know, again, there's been pilots and programs uh, focused on on the energy efficiency or energy conservation piece of this. Uh, the third, um, which is probably most relevant to today, um, is, you know, utilities are looking at this um, as a way to manage uh, down bad debt. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, for most business cases, that benefit alone um, by far pays for the whole program. Um, you know, and there's a lot of evidence that uh, you've seen and other members of the Prepaid Energy Working Group have seen to share that um, there's a, you know, significant, uh, you know, having or more of bad debt over some period of time and keeping um, those customers current, meaning, you know, your days outstanding are reduced and so on um, around that, um, that make prepay a, a very attractive program for, for many utilities. Uh, again, especially today, I know we're going to talk about this a bit more, um, but, um, but for the customer though, I mean, you mentioned, and we've talked about a lot of the benefits, but it really boils down to two things, Alfred. I mean, one is convenience, you know, over the years, we've asked the same survey questions, you know, what one word best describes prepay energy from your perspective. And by far, uh, convenience is always that word. It's always the number one answer that we get from customer service. But I would argue that control is also big. Um, I mean, if you think about it, for the first time, prepay has given, been given complete control to the customer to determine you know, how much energy they use, how they're going to pay for it, and what their budget is for energy. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, some co-ops, uh, well, actually, uh, Donna Buck from OEC, uh, which is a co-op in Oklahoma, said, you know, and she's a chief financial officer. She goes, I didn't really understand prepay and, and the power of prepay until um, they did a, one of their customers uh, told them in a focus group, you know, the reason why I, I like prepay is because before when something happened and I got disconnected, I blamed you guys. Now I understand that I'm in control. I mm -hmm. have the power. I own this. And she said, you know, that is a very powerful kind of statement in, a, in an industry that's been so regulated to think differently. Um, mm -hmm. So, it, you know, again, it, it, it's a big, big deal that, to give customers some amount of control over what they spend and what they consume. Yeah, those are, um, I mean, that's a great story. I, I think I'd, I think I'd seen that somewhere as well. It was probably in a presentation that you made and it's, Yes, it's kind of like realigning the um, the incentives or, or you know the responsibility, right? It's, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so I, I really want to talk about COVID nineteen or coronavirus and the 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 economy. You've been sounding the alarm, and I think the regulators and utilities are very well aware of it. Mm -hmm. That something is going to drop pretty soon, and mm -hmm. prepay may be a um, uh, part of a response to that. Can you say more about that and argue for why prepay is a, could be an important response to that? 
Yeah. So there's a lot, obviously there's a lot going on, a lot of moving pieces here to keep track of. Uh, my firm has been, you know, taking a step, you know, outside of just prepayment has been in the lead working with uh, a ton of utilities kind of thinking through uh, what COVID might mean in terms of, of debt in particular, but just, uh, impacts to the utility, operational, financial, regulatory, and so on. Um, secondly, we are doing a, a lot of customer research, uh, specifically with <clears throat> you know what I consider to be vulnerable customers. So those could be both limited income or low income customers, uh, but they could be customers that have never really had a problem paying a bill now, but they're unemployed all of a sudden, um, and so they need assistance. Um, we're also focused very much on small and medium businesses uh, or, or commercial enterprises, um, you know, given the fact that it looks like there could be uh, a historic level of bankruptcies coming out of this thing. So, yes, definitely. We're looking at COVID. Um, and utilities that, you know, have implemented these moratoriums on disconnects for non-payment, many of them implemented those in March. So you're going on easily four months now of a uh, debt accruing again, not just for residential, but also SMB customers on the commercial side. Um, so we're talking at least four months of debt accruing. Um, most of my clients are already running at two times the historical baseline for their debt numbers. Um, and there's a lot of uncertainty offered still about the economy and unemployment, uh, the public health impacts of COVID going into the fall. You know, uh, things specific to the utility industry, like, you know, when the moratoriums will be lifted, um, you know, how that debt is going to be handled from a regulatory perspective, you know, even what the weather is going to be like uh, this summer, which has been a fairly hot summer already, which is going to drive, uh, you know, consumption up, which will drive debt up. Um, so there's a lot of moving pieces here, a lot of uncertainty. But in short, we're looking at an unprecedented situation in the utility sector with bad debt skyrocketing, and this is going to be a multi-year event, uh, no less than two years, probably closer to, you know, two to five uh, years that, you know, to even dig out of this. Thing. So the first question that came to mind is, so you're talking about consumer debt, but at the same time, utilities aren't getting paid either right now, right? Well, that's a good, you're making a good point because, again, what's historic and unprecedented about this is that there's a um, a ton of deferred balances out there. There's easily, I saw, you know, one, one thing, and this was a point in time, even two weeks ago. So it's bigger than this, like 120 million, uh, separate accounts that are in a deferred balance situation. Meaning that those are, you know, almost nobody's paying their, um, you know, their college, uh, uh, loans off. Um, you know, there's, uh, folks that haven't paid their, their lease on the commercial side or rent for uh, housing. Um, you know, there's credit cards that haven't been paid and so on. Um, and so utilities are in that mix. So they, they have these deferred balances that are getting bigger uh, with customers um, that even before pre-COVID were facing historical levels of debt. Um, you know, so it's, it's a pretty bad situation. Um, I'm not sure exactly, you know, what this is going to look like because, you know, for example, utilities, many of my utility clients thought, okay, well, this is going to be bad. It's going to be difficult, but we'll get, we'll get the paid, um, you know, that whatever we're owed as far as debt, 
through a regulatory process. And, and many uh, commissions have, at least for now, said, no, no, we're not going to do that. So I don't know what they're going to do. How does having prepay help with this, mm-hmm. this uh, addressing the debt? Well, let's look, look at what they, all utilities are going to do, have done, and will do. Um, they're going to rely heavily on payment arrangements. And payment arrangements, again, are insured or when a, when a customer can't pay or can't pay everything, they contact their utility and they work out uh, new terms over some period of time to keep the lights on and, and pay what they can, you know, again, for some period of time. Uh, unfortunately, um, our track record as an industry uh, around payments uh, arrangements is abysmal. It's horrible. Um, you know, 70, 80% of payment arrangements, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to like sound alarmist here, but it's true, uh, have failed. Uh, that failure rate could even be higher going into the future because of unemployment. Um, so you, you got something that, you know, we know the utility sector has used, will use to try to manage debt through payment arrangements. And we know, at least traditionally, that uh, that has a, a very high level of failure. So my question to my clients and to regulators, um, so what else are we going to do? It's not just one thing, but prepay could be one of those things. The reason being, again, what prepay allows for is for customers to keep their lights on, pay incremental amounts in cash or otherwise, um, and some small portion of that, maybe it's 10%, maybe it's 20 25%, goes to uh, paying off any, any debt that is accrued. Well, I got to tell you, again, from a business case for, uh, analysis, I mean, we know that works. Because we've seen it. I mean, we have the data to prove it. Um, and what's interesting about prepay is that it allows that customer to keep their lights on, pay what they can, pay down the debt. And this is the kicker, Alfred. They're highly satisfied. Mm-hmm. So, again, you know, it's a combination of really high customer satisfaction with, you know, helping manage a situation, in this case, debt over some period of time, you know? So yes, absolutely, prepay energy should be considered as an option among other options uh, in addition to payment arrangements uh, to to get through this. That was a good uh, summary uh, in my mind of kind of the, the, the debt crisis, the utility debt crisis and how prepay can be one, um, one response uh, of probably a coordinated response to that. Um, we are getting, to the end of our episode. So I wanted to give you an opportunity if you had any closing thoughts you wanted to share with our audience and then also give you the opportunity if you want to plug uh, the Prepay Energy Working Group and how people can find out more about you. Yeah, great. So let me emphasize again that Prepay Energy is a voluntary, let me say it again, voluntary bill pay option. You know, Mm -hmm. people, no utility, none of the utilities that I'm working with are mandating that their customers go on prepay. Secondly, uh, you know, it's not for everyone, as we discussed. You know, so it's a segmented offering. Um, I can guarantee that if you get the right customer on the right offering, meaning prepay in this case, they're going to be very satisfied, a lot more satisfied than your traditional service. Uh, Third, 
you know, prepay while, again, it, it's at its most basic, it's, it's a bill pay option. Um, it has a lot of other things going on. Um, we've, we've talked about some of those, including, you know, potential for large dollops of energy savings. Um, so there's something very fundamentally different, and I almost think it's magical around prepay. So, you, you know, again, I would highly encourage uh, utilities and regulators to at least give options to customers like prepay uh, to get them through what looks like and increasingly is, in fact, a, a very bad situation, uh, not only in terms of the economy, but also in terms of uh, the utility sector. So, um, and then, you know, for, for folks interested in the prepay energy work group, um, you know, again, my name is Jamie Wimberly. You know, I'm the CEO of, of DFG. All you have to do is, you know, go on the internet to check us out. Um, feel free to contact me. Um, you know, again, we welcome all kinds of stakeholders uh, through the working group. So, you know, not only utilities, um, but, you know, consumer advocates, uh, regulators, and others um, would be welcome to join us. And, and Alfred, again, thank, thank you so much for this opportunity. I appreciate it. As always, I appreciate having these chats with you and uh, hope we can meet again in person sometime soon. Yeah, me too. Thanks. Yeah. Well, that wraps up our episode. Thank you all for tuning in. That's all for Experience Better, the CX podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please send us your questions and continue the conversation with us on Twitter or Facebook at KubraWay. That's K-U-B-R-A-W-A-Y or on LinkedIn at Kubra. Experience Better, the CX podcast is presented by Kubra. I'm your host, Alfred Sawatsky. Goodbye for now. I hope you experience better.